So I'm excited to be here this evening. I am Yolanda Johnson of Can You See Me? Women, Leadership, and Race. Um, this podcast, this space, intentionally highlights the Beyond Measure woman, but also the men who support them. Um, these women and men lead in their communities. They lead in their business and careers, or even in the home as stay-at-home moms or dads. Um, this show is purposed basically to provide a platform platform for folks, men and women, who, who contribute to their communities, who promote their, to promote their services, inspire others, and advance equity through discussion of hot topics, shared experiences, and laughter. Um, we need some laughter right now, right? Yeah. We need some laughter. So I am happy to be here this evening, spending my Saturday evening with Kimberly LaBoo, of the CEO of Laboo Publishing Enterprise and some of her authors, authors of the Black Father's Perspective. The Black Father's Perspective. Kimberly, as the visionary of this book, um, I was able to just kind of latch onto it right from the beginning when I started reading your opening. It, that was so powerful to utilize your story to open that up. Um, and it really touched me so much, but it also made me want to continue to read more. Um, talk a little bit about that. Tell folks who you are, kind of why you did the book, and um, a little bit about your story that's in the beginning. I don't want to give it all away, but what was this experience like for you? And I'd like for you to wrap all of that up with, how profound is it right now right. that you are highlighting black <clears throat> fathers? And we had no idea, yeah. you had no idea of how profound this would be right now. Yeah. So as Yolanda said, I'm Kimberly LaBoo of LaBoo Publishing Enterprise. And the Black Father Perspective, um, I'm the visionary for the book. Um, with these amazing fathers. And as Yolanda said, when I began this project, my only goal was to get it out before Father's Day. <laughs> and I had no idea um, that we would be in the midst of everything that we're in the midst of right now and how powerful um, a space that we're in, in as in the book coming out right now is just going to be more medicine for what we're experiencing right now. Um, I have a personal, you know, um, a personal, I don't want to say goal, but a personal stake in this. And this book was so important to me um, because of the things that I've experienced in my own life and what I experienced with my own father, not really growing up with him in my life and not reconnecting to him until I was in my thirties, really. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then that becoming so powerful that, um, it really grew me and allowed me to be able to really now esteem him highly, even though he's no longer with me. And so I have a whole different view of that. And then from the other side of it is seeing, you know, the experience, the experiences that my children are having with their dad, because him and I divorced when they were young, and seeing that kind of struggle there. And I was like, darn it, I've got questions. So I need... <laughs> 
Yeah. I need some answers. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what better way? And I know that I'm, I'm not the only woman that feels that way. And so, um, because I asked them on Facebook, I was like, how many of y'all need some answers and would like to hear from, you know, the black male? We want their perspective. I think I women talk all the time. Put my hands up when you ask that question, like, yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear this yeah. one. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it's like, you know, the. <laughs> You have not because you asked not, right? You know, so I put the call out for the Black Father perspective. And, you know, um, it, it, was, it was tough getting the men together for this project. But I just felt like it was something that needed to be done. And so I was determined to do what it took in order to make it happen. And these fathers that you see on the screen right now, man, like they they like they blew it out of the water with their chapters. So mm -hmm. I'm just honored. It, it has been an honor and a pleasure to be able to work with them in order to pull this together, like you said, for such a time as this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, in each chapter, I felt like I was reading the work of like men who had like so much history behind mm -hmm. them as if y'all were like, 10 time best-selling authors. And I'm not just saying that because I'm spending time with you all. Each chapter was so powerful. And as I told you all off, off record, um, I saw so much of myself in each of your stories, either myself, my son, my daughter, um, even my mom, um, and my dad, you know, my father, um, whom, whom I did not have, you know, much of a relationship with, but I always felt that I did. And so I just want to thank each of you. Um, and before we dig a little bit into your chapters, I want people to get to know you all a little bit. And so I want to give you all each about like two minutes to say who you are, kind of what you do. Um, and then a few words to describe about like how you're feeling right now as a, a black man, a black father, anywhere you want to go with that. I'm going to give y'all two minutes now. And then I want, <laughs> and then I want to hear something that's fun about you. I want to hear something that's fun. Yes. Something that's fun about you. How about we start with who wants to start? Let me let me let you all choose who's going to start. Who would like to start that? Kind of your name, your profession, or what you do. How are you feeling right now as a Black man slash Black father? And uh, something fun about you. Anybody could jump in. I'll go first. Okay, thank you, Nathaniel. Well, I'm fun, period. <laughs> so we'll start there. Okay. <laughs> no, uh, my name is Nathaniel Harris. I am... Um, the Lord has allowed me to see some great challenges in my life, but I'm glad and I'm so glad that I'm I'm alive to tell the uh, One of the things that we are doing, um, I'm 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 pacing, watching God just do some things. Um, I've been at my I've been employed in my same job for 27 years, so longevity. Um, I've learned to work. <laughs> That's, and I'll say that again. I learned to work, and um, my wife and I we actually do everything together. We actually work together. Uh, we're coaching together. We uh, we're associate pastors. We're doing. I mean, we're authoring. We're doing. We're just really, really doing some great things. In, in a time like as of today, um, the the black father needs to, need to heal. Um, what 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 I'm encouraged is uh, about this is we we're, we're we're seeing great strides. 
we're seeing the mark of some great steps that the men are making, but I'm, I'm also concerned that our communities are falling apart, uh, violence and drugs and alcoholism. Um, and I think that this book just spearheads um, the direction we need to go to heal our fathers and our black men. Um, I just, again, I love having fun. I love having a good time. Um, not necessarily the life of the party, but if you're around me, we're gonna we're gonna have a good time. So that's where I'm at. Good. Thank you so much for sharing that, Nathaniel. Yeah. Nathaniel, why don't you call on one of your other brothers? How about that? Oh man. Carlos, how you doing, sir? <laughs> Carlos is good. Carlos is good. So um my name is Carlos Avent. Um I, I am a um I'm in higher education by profession been doing higher education for about 10 years now in various roles, enrollment, advising, coaching and such, and uh, focusing on retention, things like that. Right now, I do instructional design. So I, uh, I'm a part of a team that develops online courses for Capital Technology University. Um, I'm a feeling right now as a black man, with all that's going on, and a father, you know, I'm concerned. I'm extremely concerned for uh, you know, because I, I grew up thinking, you know, a after hearing stories from my dad telling me how things were for him living here in Baltimore, I grew up thinking that, man, I'm so glad that won't be me. I'm so glad that won't happen to me. And I feel like here I am. And now I'm having the same conversation with my daughter. I'm having the same conversation with my two mentees who are 19 and 18, 18 and 19, want to be 20 next week. Um, and they're young men, you know, they're, those two are young men. So, um, I'm concerned, but I also felt like I have a duty to um, educate them, to shelter them. Not not like a, I'm protecting you from the world, but prepare them because they're going to have to go out on their own. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, it, it's twofold for me. Like I said, there's a concern, but then there's also that that superhero. Like I have to, you know, I gotta I gotta come out and be the superhero that they need to be. That my dad was for me. So that's that's where I'm at now. Something fun, though. Something fun about me is I, um, my daughter and I. Well, I, I grew up loving art, drawing particularly, and she has kind of taken that on from me. So now we we kind of both do that. So um, we're 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 strongly considering creating like a little comic book for her for this for the summer, like our summer project. So um, that's that's fun. That's a fun thing. That is fun. That is yeah. a real fun project. Thank you so much. Go ahead, mm -hmm. Carlos. Call on another one of your brothers. All right, let's go, Jason. Let's go, Jason, again. He looks like I'm back. Area. I'm in. I'm unmuted. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> good evening. Good evening, everyone. My name is Jason Woodford, Sr. I am a father of five, a husband of one wife, um, ordained minister, elder pastor, however you want to call it. Depends on the circles that you're in. I'm a licensed mental health uh, practitioner uh, with a focus on trauma and grief. Uh, a fun fact, I am equally as fun as I am serious. And so if you're not in close to me, you would think I'm just a deep guy that's always cerebral and thinking. But once that hat is off, I'm, I'm, I'm wild. I just, I balance that out with, you know, fun and laughter. And Ms. Kim saw some of that. Uh, yesterday when our live post. So um, I am as fun as I am serious. Um, my thoughts about the time that we're in. Um, I'm actually excited 
um, as I look at my makeup and my life, I've come to know that I was born for a problem. And God could have made us, you know, Asian, Arab, uh, Chinese, but he, he, he picked me out and picked us out to be black men. Um, I feel empowered. Um, I feel like I was born for this moment, for this time. Mm -hmm. um, I run towards the fire. And so my heart grieves um, on the human side, you know, to see the brutality um, of my people and particularly black men. But uh, I believe that these times call for uh, leaders. Um, and I believe it starts in the home. And I've been on this since the book, since Ms. Kim has brought us on, um, I've been on this crusade to get the black men back in, back in the home, uh, to get them back in their, their children's life um, by any means necessary, conversation, uh, writing, post, whatever it is, uh, to really get the black men in the community, back in the community, um, so we can see some things change um, within um, and and work on the things that are without um, at the same time, if, if, if possible. But I believe the credibility of our voice um, is stronger when, when we start within. So that, that's my, my two cents there. Wow. Very good. Thank you for that two cents. We appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Yes. I need you to call on one of your brothers. Yes. Uh, let's do my brother, Jamar, Jamar. Jamar, okay. Hello, uh, good evening everyone. Uh, my name is Jamar Jones. Um, I'm in the, I've been in the real estate industry, the mortgage industry for uh, 12 years. Um, I'm also a real estate investor in the DMV area. Um, me and my wife are, are both um, business owners. Um, so being on that self-employed side, we, we kind of support each other. Um, so we, we, we both feel the ups and downs of, you know, managing your own time, your business. Um, so that's, that's been, been great. And I know that it's a lot of people dealing with uh, challenging times during this quarantine and everything that we've been dealing with. Um, so the way that I feel about being a black father right now at this specific time, especially being a part of this project, is that it was um, not by chance. Um, this was something that was meant specifically for this time. Um, even if you didn't know um, the magnitude of what it was when we started, um, you realize as these different events are going on in the world, um, it, it's been magnified that the we're, we're, being, we're not being viewed the way that a lot of us are uh, main, managing and maintaining our homes and affecting our communities and what we actually stand for as black fathers. So um, I feel that um, everything that you're gonna get from these brothers uh, is not what's reflected in the news and what you see and hear every day, um, but it's actually going on in our community. So um, I feel great to be a part of this. I feel great about being a black father um, and hopefully everything that's been put into this is going to inspire others and educate others and, and help move us forward. Um, a fun fact about myself 
is I'm I, I love having a good time. Um, I'm willing to try, you know, new things, and, and I'm competitive. So um, all of those things mixed up in one, you know, just equals, um, you know, just really having a great time. Good, good. Thank you so much for that. How you're being viewed. You know, um, before we move forward, uh, you all just have so many great responses, um, and we're going to keep going to get everybody introduced. But Kimberly, when he said how we're being viewed, I thought about how relevant that is to this platform yeah. and why I started it in 2016, which I didn't get to tell you all. I started the whole Can You See Me Women Leadership and Race right after um, Ferguson. And during that year, there was a lot of stuff happening and um, there was so much like racial hatred going on and, and, you know, back and forth and all of that. And I said, you know, let me try to use the gift that God has given me to bring folks together, figure out how we can strengthen race relations, but at the same time, build people up so that we can all like collaborate, collaborate together, have those tough conversations, black, white, yellow, green, everybody come together and figure this thing out. Because I felt like we never see each other the way we need to see each other in order to heal and move forward, right? Um, so thank you, thank you all. Uh, Jamar, I need you to call on someone. All right, my brother, Brian. Right. Hi everybody. My name is Brian Horshaw, and I am an author now. Uh, really, really excited about that. Um, it's something that I never, never saw myself as, uh, but I was really excited uh, uh, when Kimberly presented the idea of this project, um, and I, I felt like I had some things to say. Um, and so I'm glad that I get to add that to uh, my list of uh, credentials. Uh, I'm also a fine arts instructor, um, teaching performing arts as well as uh, uh, visual arts, uh, those two things. As far as the things that make me fun, I love a good game night. Uh, I've not been able to have one uh, in a very long time with, with the COVID-19 uh, thing that's going on, but I miss having the game night, people getting together, just bringing a dish, you know, having some wine and just making a fool out of ourselves and having a good time. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Brian, where are you today? Like, how are you feeling about everything that's happening right now? Oh, yeah, I missed that one. That's um, okay. It, it, it was very painful just to witness uh, just a lot of the animalistic uh, viewpoints of, of some people and, and to see that we really have not made it very far um, as a Black race. But at the same time, I'm uh, I'm kind of excited too because uh, we are a part of something revolutionary right now. Um, you know, you hear your, my, I heard my parents' stories about, you know, uh, what it was like to live through, you know, the 60s and things like that, um, move segregation and, you know, how they got to be a part of uh, some of the movements that were taking place during that time. But now uh, we get to be a part of, of that movement and my daughter gets to see what that, that looks like and she can participate in her own little way. And I think it gives her a great appreciation of being black, even as a nine-year-old girl, um, just to see what's taking place and, and, and the, the power um, that, that we have as a people. Wow, absolutely. So amazing. I'm, I'm so excited for the children that get to see this. Um, you know, I said the other day on social media that 
we're living in our ancestors' dreams. And so now we now have to dream for the next generation so that they can live in a, a higher level of freedom because we are living in their the things that they had to go through on their backs, right? And so now I feel like we're in this time that something is happening. We may not see it. We may not be able to live it, but I believe that our next generations will. Um, so it's going to be crucial. So I'm happy that your nine-year-old daughter gets to see this and participate. Thank you. Mr. Kenneth, how are you, sir? Yes. How I'm are you? Wonderful. Tell the people who you are and what you do for fun and how you how are you feeling at this moment with everything that's going on? Well, as uh, my name is uh, Kenneth Gilmer. Um, I've been in the pest control industry for 13 years. I'm a service manager there. Um, married to one wonderful woman named Carlisa. We've been together for 29 years. Um, what I do, what I really, about, what I, my real profession is, is that I love being in the church. Uh, me and my wife are both elders and I love it. Um, as far as being a black dad in this time, I feel like most of the guys on here about what's going on in the communities with, you know, black, the black male. And I know for me, I'm, I see now it seems like it's like a, a dying race. You know, we are being depicted as um, being thugs and and we are judged by the color of our skin and but they are not judging us by what comes out of our mouth and our minds. And I feel as though that a lot of these, you know, the young men out here, we're not teaching them to be thinkers, but we're teaching them to be sports players. Um, I feel as though that education is a key and everything else comes second. You know, we groom, we, you know, I've seen a lot of people groom their young, you know, their young males that live in, you know, poverty stricken communities. You play a sport, you make it out. And I feel as though that your mind can get you anywhere you want. And as far as I, that I am here, I feel as though that I raised four, I helped raise two beautiful daughters who are strong, independent, and my thing is, I'm here to help raise the five grandsons that I have. And, I, and I'm grooming them to be men of distinction. Not to be groomed as thugs or however you want to call them. So um, I love being a dad. I do. I love being a dad. I love being a grandfather. I think that is one of the biggest accomplishments I've had in my life. Taught me some things. It helped to grow me. And on on a lighter note, what I like to do for fun is spending time with my grandkids. <laughs> that's that's awesome. my fun time right there. <laughs> that is so awesome, man. How old are your grandkids again, Kenneth? Oh my goodness. I got one that's 18, I got one that's six, 15, 
Then I got one that's eight and one six five, and I have a granddaughter. She's four, gonna be five in July, and then I have two on the way. Wow. <laughs> Wow, I bet you they love you. I bet you spoiling those kids to death. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah, I can't get rid of them. <laughs> I wonder why that is. <laughs> well, so I want to go into a little bit of a general question for you all. Um, as I shared, you know, I was a part of Kimberly's anthology. And Brian, I too still struggle with saying I'm an author. I still struggle with that. Yes, and nobody believes that I struggle with anything, but I do. I struggle with that. I'm like, well, I'm not an author. You know, I did. I contributed to it. And Kimberly really helped me, like, be able to say, no, you are an author. This is your book. Utilize that. Um, But through that, through writing that chapter, um, I wrote about some a, a really personal experience. Um, I wrote about how I felt that God has been building a house for me and how that house is actually me and, and to be able to give myself back to the community, right? So he's been building me up to give myself, to give parts of me back to the community. And so, but through that, through telling a personal story and all of that, it was pretty cathartic. Like it felt like a huge release because although I had worked through a lot of issues um, in the past that I had wrote about, I also felt like writing, it was like a cleansing. Like I felt like this whole cleansing, this whole um, process. So would either of you like to share, like, what was that process like? Because it's not easy. It was not easy. And so anybody jump in on that one. Like, what was the cleansing or this release like for you? Um, I'll start off. Um, I think for me, um, it gave me time to slow down and think. I think because we've been socialized for most of us as men and males, um, we are outcome oriented. So we really, you know, we're built to get the job done without really thinking about the job. And for me, um, this book helped me to kind of slow down and really think about it in my experience. Um, I kind of touched on it in, in, in my chapter, but it gave me an opportunity to really just sit back because you can get in the rut of get up and go and taking the kids and, you know, the different things that happen just in a daily, you know, the life of being a father and the daily uh, uh, demands that are placed on you. But Mm -hmm. to be able to sit and really think about your experience and to be able to put it on paper it was it was refreshing because as I was writing, I felt like tears coming in my eyes, like, wow, this is a real emotion about this story, you know, that I thought I either outlived or, you know, outgrown. And but as I began to write, you know, it 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 was a refreshing, like, wow, this really happened. And this is this is the real emotion. And so uh this this it was therapeutic. It was very therapeutic for me to put that that experience on paper. I like that therapeutic. One more person on that. What are your thoughts? How did how did you feel during that process, Jamar? Did you want to yeah. add to that? Yes. Um, going through that process and going back to 
actually where I started my journey um, becoming a father. Um, you are going through the process. You actually realize that either you don't think about it, um, you know, going back that far or with me, I, I didn't really think about how I felt at the time um, to, to dig back in. What was I thinking? What was going on in my life at that time? And to really realize where I started and the process of raising my children, loving my children, going through the challenges. And um, it, it allowed me to reflect, one, um, to see how much I've grown since then, um, to see how far my mindset has come because my mentality is totally different. Um, and then really looking at what caused the change. It wasn't just me, um, you know, and um, it, it, again, it was, it was therapeutic. Um, these are not conversations that I'm, you know, having on a regular basis and not even conversations that I'm having with myself. So mm -hmm. um, I, I can appreciate the time and I, I didn't even know that it would have resulted in the way I feel now. Um, mm -hmm. But I think it's, it, it's gonna launch me and, and make me reevaluate, uh, make new goals. And if I can accomplish what I've accomplished without really planning it, um, you know, now I can be strategic about what I'm doing, um, you know, going forward. So good stuff. Good stuff. Thank you. Did anybody want to jump in about like why you did the book? Because when Kimberly put it, put the call out, the black father's perspective, I am sure some of you were like, I'm not doing that. You know what made you do it? Anybody? Carlos, I, uh, you wanna? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I wanted to do it because I felt like it was um, two things. One, I felt like it was a part of who I am. Because uh, prior to this, I, I released my 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 first uh, project called Ten Extraordinary Lessons from an Ordinary Dad," which was about my relationship with my father. Um, and but the reason why I did that was because I always keep in mind those young men and young women who do not have a father, don't know what those experiences are like. So every opportunity that I have to be able to, um, you know, write what that experience was like for me in a way that they can take from it and say, and get something out of it. Like, oh, so that's, if, if, if my daddy was around, this is, this is what I would want him to say to me. Or, you know, oh, okay, so this is that lesson that I never got, you know? Mm -hmm. So I always write it with that kind of intention so that is 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 out is there to help someone else. So when the opportunity came to be a part of this project, I I remember it clear as day. It was I, I just seen it on my Facebook um, in a news feed, and it was like I'm looking for an author to write about their their perspective of being a dad. And I just I'm in in my mind. I thought it was like a blog or something that I was just going to you know a couple paragraphs that be good to go. Um, but then I was then I, I was blown to the floor. I'm like oh, oh this is a real deal. Oh, oh this is a book. Oh, 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 you're a publisher. Oh, okay. You know, she's the real deal, Carlos. Yeah, she's the real yeah. deal. <laughs> you know, so, so, uh, so a lot more excitement at that point, you know, so it was, but at the end of the day, for me, it felt like, um, it, it, it always feels like it's my duty. It's my give back. Uh, so that, that's, and I love writing. I mean, I, I've loved writing ever since I was in college. So it was really, um, it was, it was fun for me. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. That helped me get through my chapter because I kept telling myself it's not about me. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about me. There's some other little girl out there who needs to read this or some other woman uh, that thinks that, you know, some of us have it all together and can see yeah. like herself in my story. So thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Why'd you do it? Why'd you jump on to it? What made you, what made it attractive to you? Nathaniel, were you getting ready to say something? Again, yes, ma'am. So actually this is, this month will mark one year that I first met Kimberly. And we've been working for all, all this time to have my first book published and released in November, uh, October, November of last year. And we've been moving. I felt the momentum and I'm going to, I'm going to sway this conversation light, slightly just a little bit because she threatened me to be a part of this project. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, She's strong on me. It's part of it. And what you can't say no when you're in the headlock. So I'm t- <laughs> Kimberly, I'm sorry. I got to tell it. <laughs> Go ahead and tell your story, Nathaniel. <laughs> oh. no, no, no. She, um, Always Nathaniel. <laughs> oh, man. That's it was so a blessing. Good. And um, it was a wonderful opportunity to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, um, and I shared a little bit in the book, um, I'm learning how to be a father of, a teen, of teenagers. Um, even though they were um, not in my life at a point, but I had an opportunity to spend two and a half, three years with my oldest son. And I had to learn to be a dad to a 16 year old to 18. And I'm like, wow, this would be a great testimony to keep this in mind <laughs> as I'm ready. Um, and it was, it was, this was a learning curve for me as a father of, of teenagers. So I had to learn it firsthand. <laughs> Thank you for that. Anybody, before we move um, on to like some individual chapter uh, areas, did anybody else want to contribute or add to any of that? Uh we're all we're all stories you know each and every single one of us on this earth uh is a story has a story and uh you just never know who could benefit from from sharing your story and like you said once you start to dive into some of the more personal things you're like well should i should i share that or how far should i go with this oh lord i don't want people to know that part of me um but you just never know who who you would be helping and and, uh, i have a heart for uh for youth and and for kids and Usually around the teenage years, uh, that's when, uh, you know, things just start to go a little crazy and uh, they're, they're looking for answers. Many of them are looking for answers, especially um, in the church. You know, I'm, I'm looking for answers. Um, and, you know, I felt like if there was anything, if there was any part of my story that I could share um, that would be beneficial uh, to help, uh, you know, a, a young person, um, you know, I felt like that here was my shot. Here was my opportunity. And so I. I died right on it. Yeah, absolutely. That's so wonderful. And, and can I just just interject with Brian? Like, I, I'm so happy um, because Brian is probably the youngest one, one the youngest author in the book. And um, to have his perspective was just priceless um, because of the way that he writes and the things that he shares. And there's a part in his chapter that I could reread over and over and over again. Um, and it cracks me up every time because he was so real and so authentic with it. And I just love it. It's called Be Ghetto, if you guys know what I'm, <laughs> don't know what I'm talking about. But it's just so funny to me. And like I could just read that over and over. So I just thank you um, for the realness that you brought to the project and, um, and letting your voice be heard in that way. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's so funny you brought that up because as everybody's talking, I'm seeing and hearing so much diversity. 
you know, we may all look, you know, have the same skin color and all of that, but there is still so much diversity of experience in your chapters um, with age, with geographic areas, but it's more so with this experience. And that makes a huge difference because you, you all are like, I don't know, Kimberly, they are amazing. Yes, I they knew, are. I knew that before I got on here, but now like they yeah. are absolutely amazing. I want to share with you all um, how earlier I said that, you know, I didn't know my father. Um, you know, I, I believe I can remember meeting him a couple times, one time for sure. However, I always felt like I had this relationship with him. Now, my mom, as y'all heard before, she raised like six, seven girls and everybody else's children and all of that. Um, she is everything, everything. But that did not mean that I, I didn't want that relationship with my dad. Um, so I never, but I never felt the need to like be angry with him. I never was. I've never, I can't ever think, yeah, I had some questions, but I can't ever think of being angry. And so I want to read a little something from one of your chapters and you'll recognize it. Um, I will certainly not attempt to psychoanalyze my father or judge or condemn him. I've experienced and have seen the arrogance of youth as they judge the elders for what's lingering in them as well. Jason, Jason, talk about that. Like they judge the elders for what's lingering them in them as well. Um, it, it's, I wanted to, Touched so many things in this chapter, but only had thirty five hundred words. <laughs> yes, I wanted. I wanted to. I wanted to speak to the humility that the generations coming up should walk in um, when we deal with our elders um, in honesty, because a lot of times, when you don't know your father, your parent, or just anybody of of influence, that that had the power to pour into you. If you don't know their story, yet they have influence, they're a model to you. They're modeling something to you. And if their parents, that model was in you. And a lot of times in our lack of wisdom or our lack of information, we would judge the actions of those before us, not knowing that that propensity or that potential is dormant within. And it takes a level of grace, um, a level of humility to be able to sit uh, in that and knowing that, you know, the indiscretions, um, you know, the, the I's not dotted, the T's are not crossed, to be able to see that in my dad, my mother, my grandmother, my grandfather, whoever it may be that's in my genealogy, to not judge them or condemn them, mm -hmm. but take from what they've learned from their experience. But knowing that that potential, <laughs> it's not all good. Some of that potential is lying dormant. And so we walk with some sense of humility so that we can learn from their mistakes and not repeat them, uh, you know, without, you know, the due diligence of, of, of mercy toward mm. our elders. That's wow. good stuff. Mercy, grace, humility. Kimberly, did you hear all of that? I did. 
Oh, man, I tell you that that really struck home for me. Um, And thank you for that, Jason. I tell you. Um, Let's see. The missing blueprint. (laughs) Parents and a teenager, you know, Mr. Harris. Yes, ma'am. Can you give us just a tiny bit about the time you called your mother? when you were having this um, thing going on with your teenager at that time and how your mother totally flipped the script. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's funny. And I, um, my son just went away um, on Wednesday and I gave him the analogy of the forefathers and the fathers and parents of old. Um, the moment that you smacked your face, you were laying on the floor. Uh, the moment that you said something sideways, you got dealt with. And I said, one of the things I had to do, I had to go to a higher power with my mother, who was a little bit sensible than most people in my household was. And I said, Mom, I, I'm, I, want, I don't want to make the mistakes that my father and his father did. I said, um, I, at the same time, I want to be that father that that means what he says and says what he means. And she said, sometimes, um, the the arguing and the fussing and the fighting doesn't fix the problem. So some things you have to do is sit back and have a really, really good conversation of this growing young man and just do the things that you think is right and know is right and try not, of all you can, try not to use physical, uh, be physical with him because more than likely it's going to turn around on you and you're going to, it's going to be a disconnect with you and your son. And I, I try and I'm listening and I'm, <laughs> I've tried my best and I'm listening and I'm throwing back and forth. And it's, it's, it's a tug of war that was going on with trying to do what's right and doing what's, what needs to be done. But I can, I can honestly sit before each and every one of our online and listeners. Uh, I passed the test. I did well. Um, I did well. Um, It got to the point of he knew that I, I wasn't happy with some of his actions but I wanted to let him know as a father, there's some things you got to check better. And something that we, my wife and I, we keep telling our kids, uh, you're going to have some children. <laughs> and the same things that you're doing to your parents, you're going to see this again over and over again. And it's going to multiply mm-hmm. more so. And you're going to wish and pray that you have listened. So that's some of the things that my mom, she shared, um, do the best you can not to do uh, what your father and your grandfather would have done. Because um, I believe that we have we have firewall in our house, and anybody know about firewall about brick uh, brick buildings? Um, you're not supposed to go through them. Uh, my son, he was on his way, <laughs> going to go through that wall. I'm but sure. I, <laughs> but I'm thank God that um, mm-hmm. the Lord showed me uh, mercy and showed me how to deal with him at that time. So good. I'm so, so happy for that. And so happy that you had enough humility to call your mother and say, look, I need a little help. And then I love that she told you he didn't need an angry dad. He needed somebody who could offer some patience and communication. That that was awesome. Yeah. Wonderful. You know, I didn't have my father, but I have some uncles. I have some uncles who are some serious men. And um, and I looked up to them and they took care of me when I spent my summers in Florida and all of that, they're good men. And so when I read Carlos's chapter and 
I read about how your dad, Carlos, would go on your field trips and how you talked about how your peers respected him. Yeah. How important is it that you as fathers or that other men, Black men, um, show up for other children as well? I think it's important because if that village aspect that was very prominent in my in my upbringing and probably even more prominent in my in my father's upbringing and you know he kind of instilled that importance in me early through his actions right i seen how he did it i seen how you know he 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 wasn't just like a standoffish kind of parent like i'm only worried about my child you know but you know he he would welcome all who were around you know and it was it was just important to 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 see it because like I you know like I said it, it helped me in a way right and and, and it it, it kind of gave me a foundation that okay so again that's the kind of father that I want to be you know the, the dad that everybody likes because that obviously there's a there's a value to that uh, so it was it was extremely important for me to to see that and to now do that yeah. Yeah, and, and you do that. I, I heard you mention mentoring, right? Yes, 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 yes. I've been mentoring for about five years now. Um, I usually like to mentor uh, within the the high school going into college age because that's that very pivotal transitional year or years where you're really finding yourself career-wise. You're finding yourself personally. Um, you know, so a lot. Of, so my two mentees are both in in the college space right now. So uh, again, it's that village, right? So um, I connect with, with um, well, one of them has, he has both his parents and his father's a great dad, you know, but I'm another voice, you know, and that's, and that's of a value to him. But my other mentee, his, um, he doesn't have a good relationship with either of his parents. And I became a mentor to him through the College Bound Foundation, which was only supposed to be a one year program. And it actually ended june of 2019 but he asked me if i would continue to be his mentor i said of course you know because again it's that village and i know you know from talking to him i know what he was dealt with what he was up against um and i i just kind of felt like if i if i if i would have said to him oh well man, you know the program's over man <laughs> good luck you know, it, I know that that would have been detrimental to him. It would have been another person walking out of his life. It would have been another person saying that they don't want to be bothered with him, you know. And then I wouldn't have been able to live with that, knowing that I had an opportunity to help another young man and not let him walk away. That's good stuff. That's really good stuff. Man, oh, man. Kenneth. Yes. Father versus daddy. I took some notes in your chapter. <laughs> I, can you just say a little bit about it because i don't want to give that away you talked about leading in your children's lives and being the leader for them but that whole father versus daddy because we hear that often yeah um well when i um when that came to my mind i had to sit back and think about that you know father versus daddy and and it came from you know people was telling they told me my daughters were the ones who told me that I transitioned from being a father to a daddy. And, you know, it came from their mouth that, you know, fathers can be anybody. 
but dads are like that special breed. And when I when that came back to my memory, I was like, wow, you know, when they brought that to me, I had I gravitated on that to the point where, and that's why I put it in there. It was like, you know, they say, and you know, you always hear that cliche, anybody can be a father. Anybody. But that dad, to wear that title, dad, that's special. That that's that's that that consistency, that the fortitude that go the extra mile, that compassionate dad, you know, um, you know, giving them the feel that 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 they can just lean on you and allow them to be them, you know, or have that voice to, you know, maneuver them through life. That to me is the, to me, that's the definition of being a dad. And I can't take nothing from these guys on here, these guys right here in this book. Everything that I listened to and heard from these guys, they are what I call exceptional dads. And that is why I put that fathers versus dad, because you can see a lot of these guys out here today, they wear that father crowned so proudly but when you ask them well, what are you doing to shape your sons or your daughters they're leaving it on the women mm. but that dad is the one who's gonna who's there whether they're there on the phone whether they're there in social media or whether they're there in person they're playing a step-by-step role in their kid's life. And to me, that's why when I, I when that came to my mind, I was like, you know, that is a that's true. It's gonna always be fathers versus dads. Wow. So good. It sounds like you're talking about building relationship, right? Like having relationship. Um, and sometimes that is missing. Um, right. that you know, you could be a father. And I think a lot of times men have thought that it's this automatic thing, right? So this automatic respect that you get, this automatic honoring that you get without building that relationship, right? Um, That's so good. I I just love all of that. And and something you said also made me think about the next person I'm going to talk to. Um, because somebody had a, a charge for the black woman, a call to action for the black woman in his chapter. And um, and I, I believe that there are times when probably I did, and maybe you too, Kimberly, maybe we have like been, um, you know, a hindrance at times, right? Where we, you know, her and I have shared some stories, so I know how we have been intentional about getting out of the way for our children and their dads to have relationships. But I can look back and think about things where um, I was such a strong force as their mom that maybe I even, you know, was in the way a bit of building that relationship. So Mr. Jamar, and you became a dad at 18. So you were young, yes. you started out, you started out as a young dad. 
Um, and you are now a whole girl dad of yes. four, right? Four daughters. Yes. That's so awesome. And I love how you list each of them in your chapter. Talk a little bit about, um, for one, being a young dad and how you had to build that relationship with your children, but also that kind of kind of like a call to action that you gave us. Because since you said it in the book, I want you to say it to our face, Mr. Jamal. Give well, you sure thing. Sure that. thing. Sure <laughs> thing. Well, I, I did um, start off early, um, actually with twins and um, twin girls at the age of 18. And um, starting there, starting that young, you're really, you're not equipped. It, it, it definitely wasn't, um, you know, the plan, but you, you, you're not in your own mind equipped, but you actually have everything that you need within you. Um, and you find that going along. So um, once you become that parent, uh, you realize that naturally, with the love and the bond and the willingness, um, you know, once you have that connection and you realize how much how much you're willing to sacrifice uh, to make sure that you're doing the things that need to be done so that your child or children can have what they need, um, it comes, but you have to be willing to um, give of yourself and sacrifice um, you know, things that you may have had or plans that you may have had in order to make sure that this life that you brought into the world is cared for and taken care of. Um, so that call of action that I had for women in general, um, it, the, the question that I was answering was um, something that, you know, that I personally wanted to say to women, but this is something that I would say to men as well. Um, it's important that the person that you're making that decision to lay down with, um, to have children with, is the same person that's investing um, or that you, you believe that's investing in you for the long term. Um, you know, we get into a lot of situations not thinking about the long term. And that's why our community, our children, um, are in the conditions that we're in now. And, and me, myself, I can't say that when I started, I was thinking about the long term. And, I, and as, a, as a man, um, you have to take that responsibility head on, whether you feel like you're prepared for it or not. Um, but if you end up not taking that responsibility, then your children are going to be the ones that suffer. Mm -hmm. So... Um, this is the call of action to women, but it's the call of action to men as well. Uh, because, you know, those 18, 25, 35, that, that lifelong commitment that you're going to have with your children, mm -hmm. um, it, it's nothing to play with. Um, and, and you have to deal and, and work with that other parent for that long term. So, um, you know, we just have to be more intentional about what we're doing. We have to start off with a plan. Um, we have to have more um, brothers like these brothers that are part of this project that are willing to help, you know, first their household, their children, um, to be able to set that example. But also just like the mentors and those that are part of the church that are being an example for these other young brothers and other young sisters um, that are coming up and willing to give them sound advice, structure. You need to think about 
what you're doing right now. We can't, we can't, this world that we're in right now, it is not a game. No one's playing with you. Um, and if you have somebody willing to give you um, their time, their effort, um, or, or caring about the direction that you're going in, you need to, you need to take heed and, and uh, receive and be able to be a critical thinker and be able to digest if it's what you need for your life. But you, we, we have to be intentional and we have to uh, set goals and uh, be strategic about what we're doing in the world because right now we're not in the winning position, but God is doing something different right now. And we have the opportunity um, to go as far and uh, to be a strong community as long as we go back to those times where we were a community, uh, where it was a village. Um, so it's some things and some healings that, that we have to do uh, amongst ourselves, uh, but we got to be willing um, to, to go at it full force, you know, um, straight ahead. Okay. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Man, That that's powerful. Um, that uh, you all kind of touched on healing, like healing within and, you know, dealing with our own issues and things of that nature. Um, Brian. Hi, Brian. Hi. Hi there. Um, I don't know if I consider myself to be a leader, how others view leadership, but if I am doing something that people see worth following, I welcome them to follow. Okay. <laughs> that. You wrote it, right? There, yeah. there was a time that Kimberly read something back to me that I actually wrote, and I was like, who wrote that? She was like, you did. <laughs> you did. So wrap all of that up, Brian, because a lot of what you all are talking about is about being a father, but also being a leader. And so I love how you went there in your chapter. I love a bunch of other things about your chapter too, but I love how you went there to, um, you took a little bit of a different route talking to the 17 year old. Talk to those 17 year olds now about that whole leadership thing and having, having something that's worth following, doing something that's worth following. Talk about that, especially today. Yes. Um, e even when, you know, I saw the photos of the, of the other authors, I was like, here are these, you know, prestigious, you know, authors and they have so much wisdom and, 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 and they have so much, you know, behind them. And, um, you know, for, for me, I feel like, you know, and I, I've been around some awesome, awesome, wonderful leaders. Um, but uh, a, a, a narrative that I've had is that you know leaders and, and this is the wrong narrative but a narrative that i'm still working through is that leaders have it all together you know they know the answers and you know they they, they just they know the way to go and you know there are so many days when i wake up and i'm like i have no idea what i'm doing especially when it comes to to parenting uh, <laughs> uh, my kid um and and so you know i i don't know you know when, when I see these awesome leaders, you know, especially ones that are on the mainstream platform, you know, I, I feel like I, I can't necessarily compare to them because there's so much that I don't know. There's so much that I'm still, you know, still learning and, and seeking. Um, but, you know, people are always watching you. People are always looking at your, your example. 
um, and you know, in, in a way that can be intimidating because you don't want to let people down. Um, you want to make sure that you you know you cross your your T's and, and dot your I's, and um, you know, e even with right with writing this book, um, you know, it, it it almost makes you a little. Uh, afraid because you feel like okay now I'm, I'm I'm putting out my thoughts to the masses. Let me give them something that they can work with. Let me give them something uh, where I don't sound sound foolish or unsure. Um, and so uh, people are just they're just always watching watching your lives. And um, whether you're doing the right thing or whether you're doing the wrong thing or whether you've done like me, I feel like I've done a great combination of the two. Um, and I forget uh, who said it earlier, but just looking at your looking at your examples um, and, and learning from them, um, looking at your own mistakes uh, and, and shortcomings and, and learning from them. Um, and there was another part of your question that I, I, I wanted to get to, but I forgot it that quickly. Can you repeat That's it for okay. me? Okay, keep going. Do me a favor, Brian, because you're saying so many things so profound. Pull your microphone a little bit away as you talk. Hold it away, because I think it's hitting something. Keep it in. Yeah. Probably hitting my beard. Okay. <laughs> Is that a little better? Let's see. Keep talking, Brian. Okay. Um, so yeah, people are always just just watching uh, watching your life, and uh, you know, from from my own life, like I said, you know, um, e even even on this phone call, I'm amongst some some amazing pastors, and you know, and I've been brought up in the church, and you know, I, I don't know as much as them. I don't have as much to give biblically um, as as they do, but I feel like uh, you know, like I said, we're all stories. Um, we're all stories in the making, you know, and we all have different experiences that that we can share. Um, and I feel like if there's anything that somebody can pull from, um, and I don't want to go too too deep into this without, because uh, you may be asking these questions a little later, but basically my chapter is uh, a letter to 17-year-olds. Um, I saw a uh, post on Facebook and it said, if you could speak to your 17-year-old self, you know, what would you say? And uh, I had so much to say. Um, to myself, I, there's so much that I was missing at 17 years old that I wish that I that I would have had that I had to learn along along the way, and I forgot which one was it Carlos that was the mentor to other uh, other yeah. other kids. You know, thank you for that because you know a lot of what I've learned did not come from my biological father who lived in the house with me. It came from watching other people's example uh, that was not my father. Um, and so if there was anything that I could just point out, even if it was just, you know, putting my business out there so that, you know, these kids can see that they are human and that they're going to make mistakes. Um, you know, I, I just wanted to be very candid and raw and open um, with them and, and to come from a place of, uh, of understanding, a, a place of nurturing, because I also feel like as, as black men, we often get sucked into, uh, you know, just the, the, the over macho the over, you know, uh, masculine. And, and I, I just kind of wanted to soften that up a little bit uh, and, and give them a perspective uh, from, from someone who's listening to, some, listening to them, um, for someone who is, who's really uh, taking in their stories um, and, and then sharing my story with them. That's perfect, leader. I'm gonna call you leader from now on. Absolutely. That <laughs> is just perfect. Yeah. And I'm sure like all of the other fellows on here will say the same thing. And, and I think that is, that's just perfect. I think that your perspective is amazing. I think that there are plenty of 17 year olds and young men 
and older men who will pick up this book and really be able to get so much from your chapter that they can live through. And that's leadership, Brian. Thank Saying you. that I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers, but I know that there are some people out there who do have those answers and I could pull from them and I could learn from them, but I'm going to give what I do know and what I do have. That's all it is. And people make it out to be these big things, right? And so it's, it's really not, it's, it's everything that you are already. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you for that. Kimberly, we have a few minutes left. Um, and before I do a wrap-up discussion, I want you to talk a little bit to your authors. You know, with all of the discussion you just heard, um, how are you feeling about your book? Because we are going to be doing a watch party um, this yeah. Saturday before Father's Day, right? And mm -hmm. I know that this conversation is going to resonate with so many people. How are you feeling? I feel amazing um, and full. And I just feel like, you know, one of, one of the things that I wanted to do with them um, a, a, as a part of this project was to actually physically be able to sit in the room with them and get my answers, right? <laughs> but of course, we were, we were not able to do that with everything that's going on. But just reading through their chapters, like you said about your own self, like I could relate to so much of what they were saying. Um, and actually, I felt like they were filling some gaps in me you know, to see and to hear about the legacies, you know, that they have, uh, most of them having their fathers in their lives and seeing what that looked like. And I think one of the big things that a lot of people will get from this book is what it's supposed to look like, right? What it's supposed to look like to be a Black father. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm really, really excited about it. Um, I'm excited about it. I'm nervous about it. I get a little anxious about it because it's it's one of those projects where you just want everybody to read it, right? Mm -hmm. And and knowing that that probably won't happen, you know, it makes me feel like, oh, you know. <laughs> um, and so I, I just really am so pleased with how this work turned out and with what all of these authors shared because everybody brought something different to the table, but there was also common themes that um, ran through the book, which I found so interesting because as you know, Yolanda, like when I do anthologies, I don't let the authors read the other author's chapters until it is all said and done. Right. And I do that strategically so that nobody's, you know, so like a Brian is not looking at somebody's chapter and thinking, oh, wow, mine's, mine's not going to be good enough because theirs sounds like this or this. Um, but I think what was so beautiful about it was that even though they are all individual men, there were like messages in this book that screamed out loud. And that was beautiful. And so I'm just really, really proud and I'm really, really honored to have had the opportunity to work with all of these amazing Black fathers. Wow. That's so amazing. Yeah. So amazing. You know, my daughter often jokes, which is not true because she dates Black men, but she often jokes, I am not marrying a Black man because of y'all Black mamas. She always did that. She always, she teases about that all the time because she says, you know, she says, you know, y'all cuddle. 
you coddle your, your boys too much. And so I want to wrap this up by you all giving us some tips, giving women, men, just some tips that we can help to prepare our young men for the world, right? Um, we know, we already see how the world is not going to coddle them. So we got to do a better job. So I want each of you to give a tip about how we can prepare our young men to be great men like you all are, because I just see you all as great men. <laughs> everybody, we're gonna get everybody in on this. Carlos, you come yeah. on in, because we're gonna end this. I'm gonna be honor y'all time and let y'all go, but you come on in. What can we do? Um, I think there's, I would say there's two things that are probably very uh, prevalent. One being encourage your, encourage your young men to read. Okay, encourage them to read. And I don't mean just, you know, blogs or, or articles on a website. Make them get a book. Make them get a book that resonates with them, something that, that, that they can relate to and hold on to. First book I ever read on my own was Michael Bazin's uh, Why Men Cry in the Dark. Uh -huh. Why Men Cry in the Dark, you know, and that, let me tell you, that lit, a, a, that lit the light bulb for me, you know, and really, it, it really did something for me. So that'd be one. Two, would be if if they do not have a father figure in their life, do not try to be that father figure. Help them find that father figure. Maybe it's in a mentor, maybe it's in an uncle, maybe it's in an, uh, uh, an older brother or, or, or something, you know, but don't try to fill that void for them because as much as, you know, this so cliche and stereotypical that, you know, single mothers play both roles, you don't. You don't. Because there's so much that another man can teach a man how to be a man. And you just can't mm -hmm. do that. And it's not a knock to you. No. It's not a knock at all. It's just the truth. And if you're going to do him a favor, help him find that right mentor to fill that gap for you. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Because we will often overcompensate and yes. we're not, and it, it's not helping. It, we're, mm -hmm. we're not helping. And I say that from my own experience. Uh, Jason. Yes. Talked um, about, yeah, Carlos said, encourage them to read, help them find a father figure, and don't try to be that father figure. Yeah, I'll be brief. There's a million things, but one that sticks out is teaching our young men to think. Mm. Uh, be critical thinkers, because if you cannot think, you are more susceptible to being manipulated by how you feel. Mm. So just teaching our men how to think critically. Uh, I believe Jamar talked about it, uh, thinking long-term. That's a critical thought. That's critical thinking. Um, and in addition to Carlos, it, it's amazing he said that I just ordered, I guess better late than never, I just ordered my four, uh, my three teenagers and my, my preteen, um, Carter G. Woodson's book, The Miseducation mm -hmm. um, of the Negro. And um, just to, to get them to think to slow down. That's their summer reading, one of their summer readings. Mm -hmm. um, and, but I would say teach our young men and young women to, to think critically so think that you're critically. less susceptible to being manipulated emotionally. Wow. Less susceptible to emotional manipulation. I love that. Man, oh man. Critical thinking, helping them to find a father figure, encouraging them to read. Kenneth, Give the folks out there something to help us prepare our young men for this world. 
um, like I said, I got five grandsons. So what I instill to them, instill in them is to always see themselves beyond where they are. Uh, never don't settle for where they what they're in now, but always see themselves beyond themselves. Um, if that if that's the only tip or the one tip that I could give, that'll be that. You know, I said, you know, I teach them guys to be proud of who they are. Um, don't be a follower, be a leader. And that's that's what I would tell anybody that has a young male to let them let them make the mistakes. Wow. And then you know, help guide them through the mistakes, but let them decide on how to find a solution in their mistakes. Wow, back to that whole critical thinking, right? right? That's so important, important teaching them to think. And all of these can be used. We're talking about preparing our young men, but all of these can be used for young women, right? Yeah. We can yeah. all definitely use this. This is wonderful. Jamar, what do you think? Um, I would say do not deny the, your, your, your son, your child, the opportunity to earn versus giving them everything um you know i know that you know we all want the best for our children and want them to have the best but for them to be able to survive in this world to be able to create um to be able to appreciate um what we do for them um, we got to give them the opportunity to hear no or not right now or you're going these are the steps you're going to have to take to be able to earn it yourself um and i would also say um giving them the opportunity to um try different things uh, because sometimes we can have in our own mindset the idea of what we want them to do and um we don't know what god intended them to be um, and they don't know what god intended them to be so um, if we give them the opportunity to, you know, try an instrument, uh, play a sport um, versus saying, no, I think that you should do this. You could be denying them who they are or setting them back from what they, you know, are here to do. So um, I think those are a few good things. I think those are some really good things because we will push our own agenda on our children sometimes, right? And it's not their path. It's our path that we want them to do. And we just need to let them follow the path that God wants them to do. So I think that's awesome. Mr. Nathaniel, what do you think? Two uh, things. Um, number one, um, I believe that these young men and women should learn to engage in proper conversation. Um, one thing I learned, um, even with some of my children in school grade, um, they, they turn in essays and papers as if they're texting. And a lot of these people, a lot of young men and women do not know how to engage in a full conversation. Um, just out of pure, I, won't, I don't want to use the word ignorance, but just out of no one's corrected them. Um, even unfortunately, the school system, they're not teaching them the correct way of engaging the conversation. Uh, so I think that uh, as parents, uh, sit down, talk to your kids. Uh, one something that we adapt at our home is we do have we do have dinner at our table at our dining room table. Good. 
and we do sit around, we talk, we have a conversation, and we get a chance to learn uh, what's going on with our kids. Um, the second thing, um, and I wanted to use a biblical principle. Um, I wanted to do, um, I was learning through my experience about the product, not just the prodigal son, but the prodigal child. And what I'm doing is when the kids are going to be old enough and, and think they're bold enough to, to want to be willed what they think is theirs. And when they grab it, they want to run off and do anything they want to do. And they think they have everything under the sun, the tools in place and the finances to make it happen. But unfortunately, they haven't learned to master what they've gained. And just like the prodigal father, uh, he never, nowhere did I read that he went out looking for his child. What I read was he was still at the top of the hill in eyesight when they came home. So that's where I'm at. Um, you're going to come home <laughs> one way or the other. And I'm not going to bash you and I'm not going to sit there and say, I told you so. I'm wrapping my, arm, my loving arms around you and we're going to throw the biggest party we could because you finally came home. That's good stuff. We could thank your mother for helping you on that one too, though. Yeah. She, she helped you. <laughs> she helped you. That's good stuff. Thank you so much, Nathaniel. Brian, bring us home. What What is it that we can do? Give some. Give uh, the folks out there some tips or one to, tip. To piggyback on on what Nathaniel uh, was talking about, just just with that whole idea of, of grace, um, you know, be full of grace and truth. You know, Jesus was both. He was he was grace and truth. And I think sometimes as as parents, uh, we you know go to uh, the extremes of one side and where we're not really, uh-oh, my computer went to the screensaver one moment. That's okay. You're still good you with us. Yeah. <laughs> okay, there we go. Um, so I think I think as parents, we can, you know, go to, you know, the extreme of, of truth and we're not giving our children enough grace so they don't feel like they can come to us or, or talk to us or they just have this 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 cloud of guilt over them their entire life or to the opposite extreme we're we're all grace and you know and we're coddling them and, and we're not giving them the tools that they need to to you know live as an individual and as an adult um and so to kind of meet there in the middle um give them grace but also give them truth you know if they mess up you know, give them grace, but also let them know that this is the way that you shouldn't go again. This is the way that uh, it, you should go. Um, and then the other part, I think, is is identity. And this is something that I unfortunately did not learn until, you know, in, in, in my 30s and still learning. Um, but know who you are. Um, we're not defined by our mistakes, but we're also not defined by our accomplishments either. We're not defined by our profession. Um, a lot of times when people say, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. The first thing we do, profession, right? That profession mm -hmm. defines who we are, but who are we outside of that? I'm glad that you asked, you know, what's, what's fun about you? Um, just to kind of get away from, you know, uh, defining ourselves by our profession. Um, but to know, for them to know that they are a child of God, number one, and, and really that's it. You know, you're a child of God. That's who you are. Um, and everything else that that surrounds that that, that doesn't that, that does not define uh who you are you don't have to go looking you know you don't have to go you don't have to go searching you know uh for who you are now we'll continue to learn more about ourselves each and every single day until we die um but to know who you are to know who you belong to uh you know i think that's that's so important uh so those are my two tips those are excellent tips leader you know Thank that was you. intentional because in 2007, I was in a leadership development program and the facilitator asked me, who are you? 
And I started to answer with titles and all of that. And I tell you that changed my perspective so much because he got us to start saying who we are. I'm a servant of God. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this. Those titles may be a part of us, but that's not the first thing that you need to lead with. So thank you for that. But I love how you said, find somewhere between grace and truth. Given that grace and truth, like that's such a great wrap up. Kimberly, I need you to tell people how to get this book because I'm telling you, I think that everybody needs to read it. Man, woman, young, old, talk to the folks. I can see it. So here it is, The Black Father Perspective, What We Want America to Know, and our amazing authors on the back. Uh, The book is available on Amazon. And if you are here as a viewer, um, as a guest of one of these amazing fathers, you can connect with them to personally buy the book from them and get an autographed copy. Um, so I encourage you to do that. I want them supported in this project. They've done an amazing uh, work in here. And so I really want that to be honored and celebrated. So you can you know, go to amazon.com if you're here as a guest of me to grab it, or you can connect with these fathers and they have their own pages and ways for you to be able to purchase books directly from them the black father perspective can you hold that up one more time Emily the black father perspective yes And you can also reach Kimberly at laboopublishingenterprising.com laboopublishing.com laboopublishing.com that's so awesome so awesome you all have been wonderful i appreciate and appreciate appreciate your time um this is just this has been such an amazing um conversation so enlightening to read your chapters but to talk to you all was I, I can't even put words to how grateful i am to spend time with each of you this evening thank you I am Yolanda Johnson of Beyond Measure LLC. Um, Look for this recording. Kimberly and I are going to send you all the recordings. Um, And, but for those of you who are out there listening, please, 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 I encourage you to get this book. Um, It is, it will definitely touch so many of you. Even if you do not have children, it will help you understand other children. And we need a lot of that right now. We need people to have grace for children that they don't even know. Yeah. Um, And so I think that's so important right now um, that this book can really touch so many pieces of where we're trying to go right now with reconciliation, with healing, with acceptance, right? Because we're all so in the middle of this gaping wound. Um, And so something like this, I believe, puts that that balm on it, right? That healing balm on it, just a little bit to help us keep keep us going to the next step. So thank you all again. You all have a great night. I am going to hit stop on the recording, but I just want you guys to stay around for one quick second.